And I'm Allie. And it's about time for true crime. Hey. Hi, how are you? I am just great. Well, I know that we already had one out in the new year, but happy new year. Happy new year again. And what a week for true crime. Holy fuck. Can we just... I know we we record these a little bit in advance, so right now it's like fresh. Gypsy Rose is yeah. out, and she is taking full advantage. Oh my god, girly. of all of this attention, girly pop. Homegirl is verified. She's verified. She's got like a shitload of followers. It's like six million people that are like, "You're my hero." And listen, not for nothing. Let her freak flag fly, okay? She's out. She did her time. But hero's a strong word. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's an excellent advocate for children who could be victims of exactly what she was. Exactly. Um, And maybe she's a hero to those who've done that. But I think we can all agree her uh, uh, approach and method of freeing herself from that was not correct. Less than desirable, certainly. And, you know, personally... Just my personal opinion, my stance is if you can Google how to murder your mom, you can Google how to live with your dad. But how to get, yeah, right. I'm very As happy. As an 18 year old. Yeah, I'm happy that she at least has a seemingly a very good support system around her and she's got lots of good dreams and goals and hysterical fucking Instagram comments. <laughs> I just imagine Nick Godajohn in jail, like hitting his tin can between the bars. <laughs> Like whistling a song. <laughs> the gypsy blues. Because, do, 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 do. <laughs> because she's out married to like Jared from Subway. <laughs> like, hey, 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 it's Jared's distant cousin. Okay. Correct. He, okay. And I don't mean this as a slight at him, but he looks like that bus driver everyone had at least one year. Yep. And I will leave it at that. He's probably a very fine gentleman. Don't know him personally. Gypsy says that he's rocking her world, so good for her. I cannot. I am floored. <laughs> I am floored. I do have a prediction. Oh, you guys. And yeah. this is probably not appropriate, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I think she'll be pregnant within the next 18 months. Oh. I think I think she is going to have a baby, and I think it's going to be sensationalized, and I think it's going to keep the snowball of Gypsy Rose of Gypsy fame. going. And I think that there's a couple of different ways that you can look at her. I think you can look at her as a survivor of childhood abuse that was horrible, that maimed her in ways that we can't imagine. I think there's other people that look at her like she was raised by her mom to know how to manipulate mm-hmm. and sell the image. And and I'm not saying I think she was in on it. She was absolutely abused. But there was yeah. a, there was a bit of maintenance for that. She had to maintain that view. She did not walk around in front of people. She did not do those things, even though she knew that she could. So there is a level of like, she hasn't really been able to live genuinely. Right. I, and you know what? I think all of that can be true at the same time. She is a multidimensional person and she's allowed that, but also just holy fuck. You know, I mean, what a, what a week in true crime. And honestly, I, I heard it today earlier. Allie and I were at dinner with a friend. Hey, Bon. Um, but when has the last time, when was the last time that someone who was convicted of a murder got out of prison and then became sensa- like sensationalized overnight? 
and not sensationalized in a negative way right like she's kind of celebrated at this point in media with she's on all of these talk shows and i saw an interview with her or like someone grabbed her on like it looked like a red carpet event i'm like what the (laughs) fuck is happening but it was like are you gonna go on dancing with the stars i'm like the stars <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? You like, know, Casey Anthony, now uh, I know to bring her up, is like, who? But legally, this woman was acquitted. Yeah. Okay. That woman will never live a normal day in her life. No. And I, I'm in favor of that. Allegedly. 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 But, you know, if she were to open a daycare tomorrow, I'm never fucking sending my kid to that. Yeah. Even though she's been proven not guilty. Okay. In a court of law. In a court of law. Not Very in the court of our asterisk. hearts. Not in the court of our hearts. <laughs> and I think that's the thing with Gypsy. She's been acquitted in the court of our hearts, in the court of America's hearts. And it's just such a wild phenomena. So I don't know. Let us know what you guys yeah, think. Yeah, where are you guys at with that? I'm, I go back and forth. You know, the part of me that's like, yes, I love an underdog is like, fuck yeah, Gypsy, live your life. Like, go do your thing. And the part of me that's like, well, I know how to Google. What can I do in this situation is like, oh, do I need to like follow her on Instagram? I don't know. Um, well, <laughs> I run our Instagram account and we do. Oh, <laughs> um, but well, hey, girl. <laughs> but I just think it's, it's follow for follow. <laughs> <laughs> F for F. Maybe. I don't know. Hashtag woman crush Wednesday. Hashtag, um, please help. Whatever. <laughs> like what a ride. But I do hope that she uses this to do good yes you know i think you know she's been given this chance at redemption and a chance to live a life that could actually be meaningful whereas had she been sentenced like her at the time boyfriend yeah um, she would have to do all of that behind bars so i think that she's got this opportunity i hope that she takes advantage of it in all the good ways yes and you know hopefully she really does something with it like Right now, she has a massive fucking platform and a ton of people listening. So, I don't know. I'm hoping she's saying her piece, that she's getting out what she wants to get out because the ears are open. Homegirl so is, are the screenshots, girly. Homegirl is trying to lead the Swifties like something unreal. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It's but crazy. Anyway, so that's True Crime News Corner. Yeah, that's True Crime Corner. Uh, In the... ATFTC fam life corner. We got a new logo. Do you like it? It's so cute. I I'm in love with it. I love it. I'm Thanks. so happy for it. Uh Mr. Ali's husband. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um he's very lovely. I love him very much. It was a delightful little Christmas gift from him. Oh, Santa is so good. I was gonna make a really bad joke, but I didn't. Well, no, ha- go ahead. Well, don't you love it when he comes down the chimney to the ho-ho-hos? You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll well, let's... I'll take that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can leave. <laughs> that, um... Well, that does it, so... <laughs> wait, wait, yes. wait. Wait. Why did the ghost have no kids? Because he had a Halloweenie. Oh, Abby, you know, ma'am, 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 this is a Wendy's. This is literally not a Wendy's, (laughs) nor a drive-thru. Ma'am, this is my home. That is fair. That is true. Um. Uh, So, yes, so we're, 
we're very happy with our new logo but you have to tell us if you love it too yes i mean we're totally biased but we love it but the feedback has been phenomenal so thank you guys so much for reaching out on instagram we got a lot of messages about it so that was really cool it's been very exciting and we do see i mean i know quickly just circling back to gypsy before we hop into today's but just a reminder, we do have a two-part deep dive out on her, so I will happily link that below. That's episode 80 and 81, I believe. It's 80 and 81, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to scroll back, scroll back. We think it's pretty good. People seem to be liking it. And you guys, we have polls on them. We, at least on Spotify, we've been adding polls to like a bunch of fun ones. Yeah, so. for our Spotify listeners, we've had so much fun going through. So we've been <laughs> sitting together like giggling like children it's completely embarrassing uh writing like different polls and different questions to ask you guys after listening to episodes and i personally i love when podcasts do that because it just feels so interactive and like you know the hosts are gonna read that and there's just it's kind of a way like you're part of it yeah and i think that's awesome because there's room for everybody at the atftc table yes and honestly the atftc fam would not be the same without you yes you so we are just so grateful and we love getting to read all of your stuff. My personal favorite poll that we did was on the Rolex killer because I think I literally just went, LOL, did you expect that? <laughs> right? Because it was such a ride. Oh my gosh. Okay. So as you all know, we research all of these things. So Allie and I will be like, okay, I'm looking for this kind of case, right? Like I'm looking for a familiar side or something in this state or area or whatever. Um, well, I was like, you know what? I would like a pretty cut and dry case. And we came out with the Rolex killer. That's what that research was. And I was like, I can't. That was a a (laughs) fail on our part. But truthfully, like we always go into it. We have like our list of cases. Like we hear about it or we know of it or we know something on it. We're like, ooh, dibs. And I have never heard of this case and she's like do I have a story for you and I was like "Mm, sure and then I thought I had it halfway through and I was sitting there all confident like "Mm -hmm, yeah keep it going and then she pulled the rug out from under me and I was like you motherfucker (laughs) it's like (laughs) how did you do that but it was very good so all of that to say we have a lot of fun here we had a lot of fun with the polls and I think we should jump on into it I'm so excited for today it's tell me everything okay so you skippers can stop skipping you Hi, hello, and welcome back to your favorite true crime podcast. I'm blushing, you guys. Um, it's called About Time for True Crime, if you didn't know that. Ooh. Thank you so much for hanging out with us in our little corner of the true crime world. It it really does mean more than you know to us, and we we get giddy, and we just, we're, we're ha- having these conversations anyway, and we're doing this anyway, and so the fact that there's so many people at the table just, it's just a big old family. It is, and it's pretty fucking cool. Thank you, guys. It is. So... Today we are covering a doozy of a case and I will let you know that this is part one of a two-part series. Because I am a sucker for a two-parter. I really am. That's kind of my jam. Yeah, you're really good at them. I don't know when to edit out. So mine end up being five to <clears throat> seven. Um, it's but okay. I love your two-parters. Well, thank you so much. Today is a doozy. Okay. Uh, this case is going to include discussions of child abuse. Neglect, sexual assault, violence, you name it, we got it here. So if that is not for you, that's okay. You can skip this one. Uh, But I would like to kindly remind you to please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the podcast at all times because I guarantee you 
it's going to be a bumpy ride. Ooh. And quickly, just real quick, I want to shout out some of the sources because you guys know I will forget if I don't say it at the top. Every damn time, baby. Uh, lots of information from Dayton Daily News, CBS, Murderpedia, Birmingham Real Time News, Court Listener, a book called Early Graves, A True Crime Story of Murder and Passion by Thomas H. Cook, and several others. Again, they're always linked below, but just so you know, uh, those are some of them. Love. All right, so we're going to jump into it. And I'm kind of starting with the concept. Okay. And we're going to work our way into the case because I feel like as children, we're cautioned with stranger danger usually yeah don't talk to strangers okay no they don't have a dog that they need your help finding and they don't need your help with directions and they did not get too much free candy no no and they don't have kittens in the back of their van right and so this has been reiterated to us since we've been young right right but what about strange behavior danger i love that my cousin actually was telling me about that a few years ago because we always say Oh, it has to be a stranger. It has to be stranger. And so it tells us always, and I always say like this ghoulish figure, right? Like lurking in the alleyway that we think is going to cause harm to us. But it's rarely like that. Statistically speaking, it's almost always someone you know. Correct. Or at the very least, you have this expectation or vision in your mind of what someone who's evil or is capable of evil must look like. Because we can't rationalize, especially when we're younger, that they can look just like us right that's too too much to process for little baby brain you know so what if the the man let's just say that we're afraid of isn't ghoulish what if he doesn't look scary and what if it's (laughs) and what if it's not just a man what if it's a man and a woman and not just any man and woman but they're a couple they hold hands they're kind to you do you still see red flags and what if they are young and attractive and seem normal what then we've been programmed not to trust the loner we don't like the outsider the weirdo whatever you want to call it but for many of us our guard is down if we see a couple right and also for many of us the presence of a seemingly kind woman might supersede whatever gut feeling we have about her boyfriend true and we tend not to think that a woman would hurt us She couldn't possibly be in on it because it's not our nature, right? Not mine. We are fairer and we are kinder and we are nurturing and maternal and we are all of these things, right? So she couldn't do that to me, right? Allegedly. But what if we're wrong? We think we're safe. We tell ourselves that it's okay. But what if it's not? Ooh. Then every once in a while, a criminal couple makes headlines for especially heinous crimes and Crimes that were committed while they were together, obviously. Many of you regular true crime listeners know of Canada's Ken and Barbie killers, Paul Bernardo and Carla Homoka. They brutally assaulted and killed young girls together, including Carla's own little sister. Ugh. An attractive, seemingly normal, albeit very self-absorbed couple who appeared harmless at first glance, but were capable of unimaginable atrocities. Yeah. A decade before Canada's Ken and Barbie, there was a different couple making headlines. And though they definitely did not fit the mold of attractive bombshells, they missed that by a mile, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, burn. But they were a seemingly normal couple who appeared harmless, if not a little bit goofy. Right. So we're going to start today with Alvin Howard Neely. Okay. Actually, Alvin Howard Neely 
Jr. He was born in July of 1953. He grew up in a small town of less than 2,000 people. Okay. And this town was located in the northwest part of Georgia. Ooh, okay, so we're south. We are. We're south for the day, baby. Okay. He was the youngest of three. And the family wasn't affluent, but they did fine. They did just fine. They were typical, middle class, you name it. And they had each other. Yeah. And that's what matters the most, right? But by all reports, he grew up in a loving home. He was the youngest, so maybe he got away with a little bit of the most, right? Yeah. By the time he came along, maybe the parents were a little bit more lax than they might have been with their first. But he had this sweet charming smile and he was known as a prankster but in a way that was endearing not okay. sneaky so like a ketchup packet under the toilet seat not like knives all around your bed correct like teddy boy yes okay. not like teddy boy and growing up he enjoyed what every southern boy did he wanted to hunt and fish and he did all of those things he hunting and fishing and drinking every day i think that's literally a song but i might be mixing I think there's something about a tractor in there, maybe. Something about a truck. (laughs) (laughs) But he was an active member of the Boy Scouts. He was outdoorsy. Okay, King, tie those square knots. (laughs) And there's no report stating that there was any abuse or hardship in Alvin's childhood. I will just raise the red flag that he was in Boy Scouts, but that does sound good. Well, I will say this, right? No reports of there being abuse doesn't mean that there wasn't abuse. And I will always specify that. But a lot of times when people are caught for horrendous, horrific, evil crimes, some are very quick to point to, oh, well, I did this because of this thing that happened. And while it could be horrific and you can also be a victim, you can be a victim and an offender at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. But mostly for him, there was nothing to indicate the potential for what he did later in life. Okay. In his teen years, he started to change a little bit. He started committing some petty crime. He broke into cars and then later he began stealing them. He served two years in jail. And soon he was married. Shit. Uh, He got married to his first wife, Joanne, when he was 20 years old. Joanne. And she was 15. Joanne, are you okay? Obviously not. Yeah. 15. She fell for the older guy with a sweet smile and he fell in love with a child. And can we just once again, I know we say this every fucking time. When you're the 15-year-old, you feel cool because a 20-year-old's into you. By the time you get to 20, you should know how fucking weird it is to be the 15-year-old that the 20-year-old's in love with. When you're younger, and I and I don't know that it's necessarily unique to like the younger female, older male kind of couples, but I think for me it was, right? right? You always go for the older guy. Every time. I have never liked anybody younger than me it has never been a thing for me i will always go older and then i got to an age where it was like it has to be my same age yeah or a little bit older but i could never go younger and so when you are a teenager and there's this guy and you think he's cute maybe your friends don't but you do and he gives you attention and he's sweet to you and you're young and you just think wow he chose me he could have anybody he can drive (laughs) like he has a job like he has car keys and like all this other like that is so cool yeah and he wants me i'm special because of that and then you get to that age and you're like what in the fuck i know it's like i'm not gonna babysit someone like that's an infant like that is a child 
especially with those stages of life, like five years later on isn't that big. But when you're 15, honey bunny, I hope you got some therapy. That sucks. Oh, it's going to get worse. I'm sure it will. We're like three paragraphs into my notes here. Fucking A. Okay. All right. Keep going. I'll stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) But all of that to say that we're coming in hot. Right. This is inappropriate. No doubt. (laughs) So they got married. They had a very short marriage, relatively, I think. Seemingly. And in that time, they had three kids. Oh. And we'll find out later that this marriage was not a good one, as you might expect. Because we're talking about it here, first of all. And I said first marriage. Yeah. But it was later reported by Joanne. And I say later, like alvin's trial later um that he was physically abusive and especially abusive when she was pregnant which is horrific great good guy she also said that her responsibilities to him included dressing him tying his shoes and Uh, essentially all of the house chores uh, um, uh, he was bunny ears he can't even fucking do a bunny ear okay i'm sorry i'm sorry he was lazy and he had a very shitty work ethic and he struggled to keep a job and He would uproot the family of now five in pursuit of work. So they would move from town to town and they would stay either with his family or find a place of their own. They were on the road a lot. So he started stealing cash from registers. This was sort of his last resort because he it's I guess it's easier to work hard, not working hard than it is to work hard for him. Because it got to a point where Joanne was just like, I don't want to know, but you need to do what you need to do because we've got three kids. Right. And she was still a young child herself, basically, like a teenager. And now she's got three kids. Well, four, because she's still tying his fucking shoes. Correct. Anyway. And she's got this husband that's abusive physically and emotionally and then useless financially. Yep. And she's like, "I I don't know what to do. So Joanne at one point left. Good. And she went to stay with her parents. But she knew that she needed to go back because her children were still with him. And... I cut her some slack because it's like, if he was abusive and awful to you, you left your kids with him. How could you do that? She is still also a child. Yeah. And then she goes back for her children. And it doesn't absolve you from not taking your children with you and removing them from that. But there are so many other factors in there that this isn't black and white. She should have or should not have done this, right? And so ultimately she went back, but she brought her little sister with her because she thought that it might help mitigate the situation. She knew he was pissed that she left and she's like, okay, can you come with me to like be this other person? Maybe he won't do this in front of you, even though he never had any issue with physically abusing his wife in front of his mom. Oh, so sometimes he would go and like stay with his parents with her and the kids And because they didn't have anywhere else to go. And it wasn't like he was sweet as pie in front of them. He treated her equally as shitty. So I'm not sure why she thought her younger sister would have done her presence would have done much to kind of prevent this. But maybe she thought just someone who wasn't used to it or he put on like a show or airs or Or anything like that or something. Right. Um, But instead, um, he was just as physically abusive to her. Um, Didn't matter if he was alone staying at his family's house or in front of her little sister but um within a couple of days it's reported that he tried to give joanne's sister something to make her sleepy oh fuck to try to assault her and she was 13 so joanne's maybe 18 right at this time i mean i'm using approximates because nothing there's so little 
detailed except in one book about what his marriage was like okay and some court transcripts have it from her testimony but she got kind of torn apart later and i'll I'll, we'll talk about it in part two okay but ultimately he's a piece of shit yeah let's just put it that way like we're starting off so now he's 25 okay and he met his future wife 15 year old judith judith ann adams so now there is a decade between the two of them. He likes them young. This man is a pedophile. Yeah. Okay. And if you didn't think so now, because you're like, ooh, love, first of all, no. Second of all, you'll see it more later. Don't you worry. Speaking of Jared from fucking Subway, <laughs> what know. the hell, dude? So Judith Ann Adams was born June 1964 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Okay. Which is less than an hour southeast of Nashville. Okay. She was the middle of five children. So she is literally three of five there. Dang. Uh, her dad worked construction and carpentry and her mom was a home- homemaker. But because of his work schedule, her dad wasn't home much during the day. He worked long hours. And when he got home, he was kind of a man of few words who would rather sit on the couch, relax with a beer or two than run around with his kids. So he wasn't necessarily the most present dad. Yeah. But at the same time, with seven mouths to feed... His focus was bringing in the income. The mom's role was really child rearing. Right. So she actually felt close to him. Um, And we'll go back and forth between calling her Judith and Judy because it's used pretty interchangeably in sources. And if she preferred to be called Judy, I almost kind of want to call her Judith. But got it. We'll get there. I'm going to go back and forth. But she felt close to him. She was shy. She was quiet. She usually kept to herself. But she felt a closer connection with him in whatever way that she was able to than her mom. Okay. Um, her dad struggled with alcohol. And unfortunately, um, he passed away in a motorcycle accident in which he was operating while intoxicated. Oh, gosh. So Judith lost her dad when she was nine years old. Poor girl. And luckily, no one else was killed or hurt in the accident, but the family grieved his loss, no doubt. And Judith is said to have been especially affected by this. Okay. Her mom began working at a factory because there are still six mouths to feed. Yep. Uh, But she did struggle to keep the family afloat, so she began dating. Well, that also, that's pretty standard for the 70s. Like, not a lot of women were out there working, providing for their entire family, let alone working beyond, like, secretarial work. Right. And I mean, and it's not to say that she couldn't have, but it was that there was also five kids. I mean, the kids are getting older, right? So some of them are on their own or can watch the others. But those first few years when you've got three under 10. Yep. There's a, a different struggle there, I imagine. And uh, she began dating. The mom did. Okay. Um, She actually started dating several men, some of them significantly younger than her. Oh. Like teenage boys younger than her. Oh. Judith's mother was arrested for basically supplying a minor with alcohol. Um, Girly. <laughs> because she and an underage boy were in a car accident. And when the police happened upon the scene, it was like, oh, it's you and this child. Is he your son? Ew. No. Okay. Then why? And when Judith found out, she was disgusted. And she made that very clear to her mother. Okay. Like, one, you're dating. Two, it's like my classmate, basically. Yeah. 
Jimmy if she is knew, literally so gross. He wears so much fucking axe. Like, if she knew him, I don't know, but it was, like, right, upsetting to her in so many different ways. But, unfortunately, her mom felt the weight of the shame that she brought on her family with, you know, hanging out with teenagers. <laughs> and instead of working to write this within her family unit, she just sort of doubled down and she stopped hiding it. She's like, well, it's out now. Um... So not only did she kind of leave her kids to raise themselves and fend for themselves, but she continued to do whatever it was that she wanted to do. Oh, queen. Her mom had them living in a small trailer. And there was very little privacy between family members with the living quarters as cramped as they were. Yeah. To separate the rooms, a sheet was hung between where Judy slept and where her mom slept. But that also meant that she was very much aware of her mother's active sex life. Oh. Which is just... You know, not great. Nope. I'm not for shaming sex life. Like a- anything within reason goes. Um, This is outside of reason, ma'am. Certainly is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Her mom had a CB radio in the trailer that she would use to talk with gentlemen. She used the name Indian Princess as her code name. Alias? Yeah, that doesn't seem uh, culturally appropriate at all. Unless she (laughs) is of Native American descent, I'm not sure. Even still, fun fact, Native Americans were still not on India, Christopher Columbus. (laughs) That is true. Anyway, sorry. However, or from (laughs) India, I guess. She could have been. That would have been okay. I will put an asterisk if she but was that from is India. about the only way where this is allowed. Sorry. But also, I saw once or two sources that had this, so she could have gone by something else. Oh, listen, I believe you. I'm just saying. Oh no, but I'm just saying it. Yeah. It could have been something else, but I'm thinking it was this. And yeah. she doesn't make great decisions anyway, so this just kind of sounds on par. It doesn't seem out of character. <laughs> but she would chat with men and invite them over. And boy, did they come over. Oh. And I will say that I didn't find any reports of these men abusing Judy or any of her siblings. So I can't say that these were terrible men. But again, with most things, lack of a report does not mean lack of a crime. Exactly. So hold on to that with a grain, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying no one ever abused her. I'm saying there's no written documentation to say that she was abused. Well, we know at best 50% of cases are reported. So a man answered one of her mother's um, calls for service. Oh. Maybe, if you will. And this guy brought a friend along. This friend was Alvin Neely. Okay, so real meat cute here. So Judith met Alvin. Again, she is 15. He is 25. And while the friend and her mom went to Pound Town... Judith and Alvin went somewhere quiet where they could talk. I'm sure probably outside to not have to listen to that, but I I don't don't know. know. You just pull the sheet over. I don't know. I wasn't there. Can't ask them. But they spent hours talking and talking and talking. And they were instant. Jesus, how long could his friend go? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, maybe they spent the night. Who knows? I mean, (laughs) you are something. Um. But they were instantly smitten, both of them. Oh, Again, younger girl looks up to him. We've seen this before. Creepy pedophile looks down to her. But Judy is described by so many sources as ugly. Like, everything is just, like, ugly. 
and maybe it's because her soul is ugly because she is an actual piece of shit okay but i'm gonna give points where points are deserved and i don't think that she's ugly okay she's a very plain looking young girl i she's fine she's cute she was very tall even from a very young age okay. she topped out at like 510 which could not be me <laughs> okay <laughs> um she had very big front teeth that sort of like jutted out okay and had it not been for braces i have no idea what hellscape my smile would be so i am in no position position to judge but at the same time she was known as like this big big boned like thicker tall she did not look 15 but there was this very childlike essence about her but at the same time she appeared like she was older right and Alvin thought she was beautiful, like model-like. Okay. And he was very attracted to her. Could have been just because she was fucking 15 and that's kind of his thing. Possible. Seems like. And by his thing, I mean he's a pedophile. Well, I don't yeah. know if we, I mean, I've said the P word before, but I, I want that <laughs> going in your head. Like yeah. he's a pedophile. This man's a monster. And when they met, she saw him as the answer to her problems they were soon inseparable. They spilled all of their deepest secrets and all of their heartache and all their happy memories. And it was just, mm. and they rode off into the sunset. And nothing bad ever happened. That is a beautiful Hallmark lie. Correct. Okay. Um, it was at this point that Alvin said, uh, hey, Mm-mm. you are oh so lovely. Love you. Love to hang out with you. But I have a whole ass wife and three kids. Did you forget about them? Um, so I'm going to need to divorce her real quick, but then I'm going to come back. Um, okay, but like, hurry, because my mom's got another call. So Judy saw no issues with this. She Judy, wasn't like, ooh, red flag, father of three. Yeah, she's 15. She's um, thinking older man thinks I'm worth leaving his family for. But luckily for Joanne, Alvin and Joanne divorced. Good for Joanne. So she was free of him. And I will say, however shitty Judy becomes, and I have no doubt that uh, it's going to stink real soon, mm-hmm. um, I feel for the 15-year-old. That's not okay. And she can, again, she can be a victim and an offender at the same time. And I have no doubt that moving forward, she is also a victim in this, but she is a teenager when she commits all of these crimes. So this, is, a. this okay. is all within a few years. All right. I don't, let me put it this way. She goes to trial and she is 19. Holy shit. So we are talking about a teenager this entire time. And the crime starts at 15. ASAP. Okay. Because now it's Alvin and Judith, right? A frumpy oaf of a man because that's what he is. And a plain looking teenager against the world. So she wanted to run away with him. Yeah. Judy left a not so nice note for her mom. I'm sure. (laughs) Ran away with her new man and they were on the move. They slept in their car. They skated by until they settled in a town in Georgia called Rome. Ooh, they're going abroad. Alvin got a job. And as you might expect, he also lost that job. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he lost that job because he stole from the store because he's very predictable. But he introduced Judith Mm -hmm. to a life of petty crime, which included stealing from convenience stores and Judith immediately took to the thrill of it, but as quickly as that thrill came, it went, and now she wanted more. Of course. She wanted something with more risk, more excitement, more fun. So they escalated a bit to committing armed robbery. Oh. Armed robbery, yep. Mind you, again, Judith is still 15. 
And just after she turned 16 the next year, the couple married. I can hear the bells. Yeah. The Neelys started calling each other Boney and Claude as like a play on words with Bonnie and Clyde. Are you? Okay. But they looked at themselves as this outlaw couple. It was like, it's us against the world and we have like, we're on this mission. And it was just so like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? Completely out of nowhere. But they really believed like they needed to be a team to, to do this. And it was any means necessary do what we need to do and so the couple had been spending most of their time on the road seemingly as outlaws do pew pew uh they were mostly i mean they were kind of all over the south but georgia alabama they even went as far as texas to stay with family before coming back um in the period that we're talking about it's mostly georgia alabama florida okay tennessee like we're kind of staying in this area kind of going up and down by the next fall, the newlyweds were expecting their first child. Okay. Or I should say children, because Judith was eight months pregnant with twins. Oh, gosh. But this did not stop her from her crime streak. Nay, nay. Well. She waddled on over <laughs> to a woman and robbed Sorry. her at gunpoint with Alvin's assistance. At the Riverbend Mall in Rome, Georgia. So they're literally outside a mall. By the time the lady drops her purse, she's going to need him to bend over to pick it up. I know it. Isn't that terrible? Eight months with twins and she's like, hold up, babies, real quick. Mama's got business to do. But the risk that she put these unborn children at. I know. You know, and for what? Because ultimately they were arrested a couple days later when they tried to cash a, cash a check that belonged to the woman that they had robbed. Yeah, no shit. It was like, <laughs> what did you think was good? Ugh. So anyway, remember the Riverbend Mall. Okay. Kay? We're going to ho- tuck that away in your little pocket. With each of them arrested, they were sent to correctional facilities. Yep. As we do, right? So Alvin went to an adult facility because he was like fucking in his 20s. And she was sent to a youth detention center. And we'll call you, we'll call it the YDC, Youth right. Detention Center, that was located in Georgia as well. Because uh, once again, she's a child. Correct. Okay. Yep, she's 16. Um, this was actually in Rome, Georgia. So when in Rome, Ooh, as they the say. Georgians do. Uh, but really, while in Rome, uh, at this YDC, she did <laughs> give birth to the twins. Wow. Um, a boy and a girl. They were named Jeremy and April. Okay. And once they were born, they luckily weren't placed in foster care. They were uh, sent to live with Alvin's parents. So they were still with family, right? So we're still maintaining that family unit. I'll take it. And by all reports, his childhood was good. So at least we're with parents that seem decent by all reports. Yes. Yeah. Shockingly, while they were both incarcerated, they were able to send letters back and forth. Now, when you're already convicted... Of crimes, which they were, because they were serving their time. This wasn't pre-sentencing, yeah. this was post-sentencing. Uh, there is nothing preventing you from contacting your co-conspirators, True. if you will. Um, and, and I don't really expect that, because I know that there's you still have that freedom to be able to do that. What I do take issue with is that this is a, an adult male and a child. Yeah. And the content of these letters isn't appropriate, and why he wasn't on the spot arrested for that, I don't know. I mean, I know they're married. But also, this is a child. And 16 must have been the age, but I don't think that she got, 
like parental permission from her mom unless she fudged that or something but so there's just this really odd thing where i'm like nobody noticed how strange this was that the 16 year old's pregnant with twins and it isn't by like another 16 year old it's with this man that's a decade older than her um you know like he's 26 he can rent a car with like no issues now and she probably doesn't know how to drive well mm, some people say that age is just a number i personally say then that jail is just a room but i um, age is a number after 18 uh yeah yes yeah specifically yes that um wow big fail okay Mm -hmm. And these letters were interesting because some of them were lovey-dovey. Okay. Just, I love you, I miss you, all of that. Some were very sexually explicit. Okay. And raunchy, and they were into some weird shit. And others were weirdly obsessive and jealous. Okay. And it was like, over what? You are incarcerated. (laughs) Like, what do you think is happening? Because they were both accusing each other of cheating on each each other, yet they weren't in co-ed facilities. Well... And this wasn't like... So, we find out later that Judy is bisexual. Good for her. Um, Not the issue here. The issue is (laughs) that he was accusing her of sleeping with other men. And Um, she isn't a female part of... You know, female part of the facility. In the same way that she's accusing him of sleeping with other women, even though he is in a male facility. So um where they got that idea beats the hell out of me oh but we're just i'm just saying i'm not saying that the smartest i'm just saying this is what they said <laughs> in one letter though judith disclosed to alvin that she was being sexually abused by staff okay not okay now as with any job with a position of power it attracts people that want to do good with that power and it also attracts people that want to abuse that power you're going to see that everywhere you're going to see that with the police you're going to see that with doctors you're going to see that with firefighters you're going to see that with anybody who has any kind of lawyers politicians of course anyone. you're going to see that yeah. with with everything that even there's fucking teachers there i'm sorry for the language even teachers like there's good ones and there's bad ones right and you're going to find that in everything people who want this position over other people whether it's over children whether it's over adults whether it's over the elderly you name it people will do it there are people that want to do good because they want to do good and they're also people that want to get into that because all they want to do is abuse that yeah it's about how you weed them out yep so youth detention centers are not exempt from pieces of shit working there not even close and if you want to peek into how awful places like that can be do some research on carl pansram and let us know what you find okay okay yeah and i'm not saying that she's lying and i'm not saying that i absolutely don't believe her but what i will say is that she was very skilled at the art of manipulating alvin so it is absolutely possible that it is a true lived experience for her and it is also very possible that this was strategic okay on several occasions she was dishonest and spun stories that quite literally could not have been true about situations that happened at the ydc okay That's not to say that trauma doesn't do things to your memory, and I'm not going to say that I absolutely don't believe this happened, but Judith is the kind of monster that you would expect to lie about that. Okay. But again, you know, killers aren't always the most truthful. But to Alvin, everything she said was true. Okay. So she was released in 1981. She went to live with his parents so she could be with her children, and She was not reformed. She was not rehabilitated. She simply wanted to continue the lifestyle that she'd grown to enjoy. 
So she's like 17 max. Correct. Okay. Oh, she's a fucking child. Okay. But that's that teenager went and robbed another store, went back to jail and was still out again in time for her husband to be released. Ugh. In April 1982. So okay. in the spring of 1982, they regrouped and they planned their next steps. Oh, we have an admin meeting now. Correct. It was, okay. an, it was an executive board roundtable. I love it. Okay. Yes. Um, on September 11th, 1982, before that date had meeting. Okay. <laughs> uh, without missing a beat, Al and Judy returned to criminal behavior. They went to the home of a man named Ken Dooley. Who worked security at the YDC. Okay. They shot four rounds off into his home. Holy. Luckily, no one was hurt. No one no one was harmed, not him, not his wife, not anything. Thank God. On September 12th, they went to the home of Linda Adair and they threw a Molotov cocktail at her house. I'm sorry. That's funny. Correct. They went back to back and they were like, let's fire some rounds. And they're like, well, that didn't work. Here's a fucking cocktail. Both Ken and Linda received phone calls from a woman that they didn't know or recognize. They did not get a name, but they also didn't recognize the voice. And this woman said that she'd been abused at the detention center and threatened them. Now, this caller was obviously Judy, if you hadn't put that together. But a passerby noticed a couple speeding off. Just after Linda's carport went up in flames. Okay. So a neighbor had actually called Linda to say, hey, like your carport's on fire. And she was like, what the fuck? So she called 911 and everything. So luckily not a lot of damage was done to her home at that time. But it was scary. And having this call from this woman saying, I was abused here. Obviously, she knew these things were connected, but she had no idea who this girl was. And she she called the police immediately and was like, I have no idea what any of this is about. Same with Ken Dooley. He called the police immediately and he was like, it sounds like this young girl. I have no idea what's going on. She said she was abused. I didn't abuse. Like, I don't know what's going on. So then another call was placed to local law enforcement um, by a young woman who said that she was calling about the shooting at the Dooley's house and the firebomb at the Adair home. Okay. And again, obviously, we know this is Judy calling the police. She's literally like, yeah, so I'm calling about the crimes I committed. And she just said it was for the sexual abuse that she went through at YDC. Okay. Um, and she said, they're going to die, maybe even tonight. And then she hung up, which is pretty haunting. Yeah. So I think the response from law enforcement to uh, Ken Dooley and Linda Adair were like, you probably shouldn't sleep here tonight. Yeah. But other than that, they couldn't really pinpoint who this was. And they were like racking their brain trying to think of who would have done this. Right. And they couldn't pinpoint it. So, again, I'm not saying Judith is lying, but I'm also not going to say that she's telling the truth because so much of what she said was a lie. Okay. But I am very hesitant not to believe, a ch- you know, so right. I have... It's, There's it's, a lot of back and forth. Yes. I could go round and round in my head over it and I and I don't want anyone to fiercely believe her or fiercely not believe her. Especially because- not based on our report. Correct. Right. Like there's so much more to the story and it's so difficult to get to. But um, after this, it seemed like Judy and Alvin kind of changed their course. They changed their mind because they never bothered Ken or Linda again or any other YDC staff. Okay. They had made plans with another woman to try to see her. Um, and that woman ended up not attending or not being able to. 
which was lucky because I think they were going to kill her. Oh. But it was not anything that came to fruition and there was no physical attack on her. It was just a plan to meet up and this woman didn't end up being able to make it. So we can't really say we know what would have happened. Right. They didn't do anything to her home and that was kind of their thing. But instead they set their sights on somebody else. 13-year-old Lisa Ann Milliken. Um. Okay. 13. A little bit about Lisa. Lisa Milliken was removed from her family's home when she was nine years old because she was abused and neglected by her parents. Lisa had been sexually abused by her dad, and when she had gathered the courage to tell her mom, her mom told her to forget it and shut her mouth. Her mom began dating a guy because her par- I don't believe her parents were together, and this man was in the home a lot, and he also began sexually abusing Lisa. Lisa needs a break. So she and her siblings were removed from the home after reports of this abuse and neglect. Okay. She was moved from foster home to foster home, arriving in one group home in Rome, Georgia, until she made her way to another one not too far in Cedartown. In September 1982, Lisa was a resident of the Ethel Harpst home, which was a facility for abused and or neglected girls. These children were indigent. This wasn't a home for troubled youth or any kind of punitive facility. It was merely a place where children were sent because they'd been removed from their home because of abuse, but there was no one else to take them. Right. And no doubt she was angry and she was in pain. She was confused. She did not make friends at the Harpst home. She's 13. She was 13 who was seen horrors. And this poor girl, this child, she'd already suffered more abuse, pain, and instability in her few years on this planet than some people experience in a lifetime. And this was before she met these scrope bags. Fucking A. So we're going to go to September 25th. Okay. She was with a group of other children from her group home. And they were on a trip. They were at the Riverbend Mall. May sound familiar. Yeah. In Rome, Georgia. Taking that out of my back pocket now. (laughs) An adult staff member accompanied this group of these children. I mean, like young teenagers, but children uh, to the mall where many of them spent time in the arcade. The girls were supposed to stick together, but had they gotten separated, they had this meeting place at this time that they were supposed to go to. Okay. And Lisa was in the arcade with the rest of them when she was approached by Judy Neely. Okay. Judy Neely was 17. Lisa was 13. So they could have been in the same school together, really. And this was the last time that she was seen alive. The other girls figured that she'd gone to walk around, but that she'd be back at the meeting time right because you know if she wanted to go off she didn't exactly again she didn't have friends so it wasn't like she was close with this group of girls that she was with so if she walked off with somebody okay at least we'll just see her at the meeting time right but that meeting time came and it went and she wasn't there so then the girls walked around trying to find her and they couldn't and so the chaperone was like oh my god so the chaperone looks for that she can't find her they called mall security and they looked And they couldn't find her. Mall security called local law enforcement. They looked, but there was no use because she was already gone and she left on her own. She was willingly. She wasn't dragged out of there by Judy Neely. They watched her walk away with her. And what happened was that she was persuaded to go with her. Okay. And so, of course, she went willingly. 
And Lisa was brought to a dingy motel room in Scottsboro, Alabama. So we've crossed state lines. And this departure jump-started Judy and Alvin's descent into sexual violent torture. And what would truly be hell on earth for 13-year-old Lisa Milligan. Once in the hotel room, Judy and Alvin each took turns raping and beating her. Reports say that they kept her chained to the bed and forced her to sleep naked on the floor. Oh my god. What Lisa experienced is nightmare fuel in its truest form. And once they were done with her, she was useless to them. And Lisa needed to go. And that is where we will pick up in part two. Describe my fucking face right now. You are so mad at me. I'm so pissed at you. (laughs) You know, maybe it's because I just watched Christmas movies. You know how an elf, um, he's going to get his finger pricked. Yeah. And he's like fighting him and he's like eating the cotton balls and everything. He goes, I think he's mad at me. Yeah. He's mad at me. And James Conn is like, yeah, he's not happy with you. That's how you look right. I feel like. You're so mad. I'm like, she's mad at me. I feel like that part in Elf where James Conn throws Buddy up against the window is like, what do you want from me? (laughs) (laughs) You want money? Is that what you want? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck, dude. I know. Lisa needs a break. Give Lisa a hug and a break and a Kit Kat bar. Damn it. I can't. I can't. Isn't it terrible? And everything she went through before she met them was enough that this girl needed help. Yes. And instead she got met with a sadistic 17-year-old who I, at 13, would have been like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's go chat. Like, let's hang out, older, cooler girl. Uh-huh. Um, oh my gosh, you have an older, cooler boyfriend? Okay, I'm making steps in the world. Like, how cool is that? Right. For them to, and here's the thing, okay, listen, you guys, I I have a therapist, I know. Um, (laughs) The fact that, the fact that Judy could do that to another younger girl really pisses me off. And not because I think Alvin or men or anything are more inclined to or more able to, I think we're all equally able to, but the fact that you yourself could be a victim of essentially pedophilia after watching your mother do the same thing and being disgusted with that and then be like you know what actually no this is the cycle i'm gonna continue fuck you yeah because judy also sexually abused her right and go fuck yourself i don't and what's gonna come out later and we'll talk more about it in depth but that alvin spins it that well, Judy needed it because she was bisexual. Like, she needed the female. And it was like, I don't doubt that Judy was just as much involved in this. Oh, Not yeah. even a little bit. She was game. But don't pretend that Judy was the only reason you got this girl. You both abducted her under false pretenses to commit harm to a child. Both to, of you. To commit also sexual harm to a child and we'll get to it torture also but that's part two fuck that fuck this i know fuck you it all of it i fuck know it. i know it's okay you can be mad get it out i am yeah i know i gotta talk to my therapist patty i <laughs> know me up. 
So that is part one of Alvin and Judith Neely. Okay, that's a good part one. And (laughs) we will pick this back up next week. So thank you all for hanging out with us in our little corner of the true crime world. We love you so much. Hope you're not as mad at me as Abby is. I hope you are. Join me. Some of you, though, (laughs) won't really be waiting a week because you'll be listening later and you can listen back to back and you're like, assholes. Yeah. I mean, just kidding. I'm jealous of you all. I really wish I was you, but ugh. Yeah, sucks to suck. So anyway, (laughs) thank you guys for listening. We love you. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member, send a pod pet. We love all of that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. If you're still on Spotify, by the way, go below. There's always a QA and a on what you liked about the show. And if there's a poll, well, hey girl, we want to read it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do any of the other things Allie just talked about, send us pictures of your pod pets, look at the people, places, things, these fucking ass hats that we're talking about, Mm. Um, maybe even the Riverbend Mall, who knows, you can go to our (laughs) Instagram. That would be at about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that is A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. But if you wanted to send us anything longer, like a case recommendation, your thoughts, your dreams, your uh, deepest, darkest secrets, and also... Your thoughts, your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Not things for your therapist. That's for your therapist. But anything else, pretty much, you can send to our email. Allie, where would that be? So if you wanted to send us an email, first of all, we'd love that. And if you want to do it, it would be to about time, the number four, TC, at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T. T-I-M-E, numeric four, T-C at gmail.com. Wow, you guys. Um, what a ride. I'm going to unbuckle here. I might go throw up on you the way can, out of the ride. You but, can um, unbuckle. Yep. Safe to do so. I'm going to see you here next week and you better be here because I'm going to need someone to hold my hand through this. So Aww, Yeah, we'll take care of you, babe. Yeah, you better. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we'll just see you in a week, uh-huh. but that's fine. Um. If I do get my clock, that was about about time for true crime. Bye. Bye. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking week. I know.